Welcome to Honest Conversations in Black and White. I'm here with my co-host. I can say co-host now. Yeah, yeah. yeah Scott Annual. We have a special guest that we'll introduce in just a moment. But uh, Scott, I'm excited about this endeavor. Yep, it's yeah, gonna be fun. it's going to be fun. Um, it's going to provide, I think, just a different um, platform for our listeners uh, and give them the opportunity to just see us in a, in a different space, in a different light mm-hmm. uh, as we talk about specific issues related mainly to print. So uh, initially when, when we thought about honest conversations, it was a, it was the idea of, of having real, honest, open, in-depth dialogue with people that we want to have conversations with and care about. Would you right. agree? Yeah. But people are wondering what does black and white refer to? Well, see, I was, you know, I, I was going to leave that part alone. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I was going to let people make their own, you yeah, know, yeah. ideas around yeah. that. Uh, connect the dots. I, but I, I will connect the dots for those who are listening and watching. Uh, the, the honest conversations in black and white, this, this really kind of lends itself, leans into your area mm-hmm. of expertise with, with writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Executive vice president, editor in chief uh, of G3. And as a result of that, you spend most of your time reading and writing and, right. and, and that kind of well, thing. Well, and then when I, when I was a seminary professor and a PhD director, mm-hmm. that's what I did mainly was yeah. teach writing, write myself. And so it's definitely, and, and read a lot, which we'll talk about today. Yeah. <clears throat> I've, yeah. I've been, I, I'm excited because I've, I've enjoyed, man, being alongside you and yeah. learning and trying to get better at my writing. Uh, trying to, you know, get, get sharpen, you know, the, the pencil, if you will, uh, the pen and, and really get better at, at being concise. One of the things that you, you constantly, we were talking about this yesterday, uh, are pushing forward is, is, is the economy of words, economy of words, the economy yes. of words, uh, <laughs> and just making sure that, that we're not, we're not being verbose for no reason, right? That, that right. we're at, that we're using words uh, uh, correctly and appropriately. With that said, man, I'm extremely excited uh, about our first guest. Yep. Uh, you have a little bit of familiarity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little. This is this <laughs> almost is, uh, well, I guess almost twenty years. We started dating almost twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. So twenty years ago, she's here with us. This is Doctor Becky Annual. How, how do you like the sound of that? It's nice. It's I don't nice. hear it very often. So. <laughs> she loves it when something comes in the mail and it says doctor and doctor. Oh, that's, nice. That's always like a, a, a nice piece of mail. Nice, nice. <laughs> that is nice. We're going to get into that. Let me just, by, by way of just kind of read, reading the bio, uh, Becky Annual is wife, home keep, uh, keeper of the home, uh, and mother to four children, ages 3 through 15. Uh, you homeschool all those kiddos. and um, 16 now. 16 yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got to change the bio yeah, here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, PhD in Christian education, which we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Becky writes, uh, speaks at conferences on education and discipleship, uh, and the and the Christian imagination. Uh, leads expository women's Bible studies, which I can't wait for the one that's going to going to be coming up. We'll 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 uh, we'll touch base with that here in in a little bit. Uh, her desires to equip women with tools for discipleship, uh, parenting, uh, and and personal growth in Christ likeness. Well, welcome to the podcast. Yes, yeah, absolutely glad to have you. Um, wanted to. I, I know we're going to talk about the, the the really big issue, which is the reading challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we jump into that, I really wanted to just kind of for. I mean, I just read a very long bio, but I wanted to get into a little bit of your background. If you were to explain, you know, in a, in, in a brief segue, just how, who is Becky Annual? What, what is, what are your passions drives with regard to the area of education uh, and what you're doing, even with the kiddos and homeschooling, just get, take a few minutes and just kind of tell the audience a little bit about who you are. Well, um, as you said, I did my PhD in Christian education, but really that 
wasn't my original intent. I started homeschooling the kids. I actually never intended to homeschool. That was not a dream of mine. Uh, That was not something I thought I would ever do, but um, that was something the Lord laid on my heart when our oldest was kindergarten age. Mm. So um, just started reading because I thought, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. So I started reading and got really excited about what I was reading. Mm. Um, Thought, okay, I can do kindergarten. I can do first grade. And it just kind of escalated from there. And, you know, we loved every year, you know, Mm -hmm. as it came. And, you know, not every day is easy, but I really started learning about philosophy of education and different ways people were doing it and digging into scripture and seeing what scripture says about teaching children and discipling children. And that got me excited about going back to school and really Mm -hmm. just having some um, external formalized education, so to speak. Some goals that I, you know, I could set for myself and that others were setting for me that I could really dig deep and read about philosophy of education and theology of education because Mm -hmm. At the time, Scott was a seminary professor, so mm-hmm. we were living on campus um, when I started my master's degree in education. Mm-hmm. And um, then I finished my master's and thought, "Do I want to? Do I want to do more?" Yeah, it's yeah. a big undertaking to do a PhD. Initially, it was PhD or more kids. Yeah. So we had one more kid, and then decided, yeah. "Well, let's do the PhD too." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was actually five weeks pregnant with our fourth when I started the PhD. Wow. Um. So that was a challenging year, but. Um, Scott really encouraged me to to pursue that, and so I just sort of, you know, held it with open hands and took it one semester at a time and mm-hmm. plugged through that and um, really developed a deeper passion for biblical education, biblical worldview, mm-hmm. um, the Christian imagination, and those were things that I incorporated into my dissertation and into my writing. Two things I want to go back to. The first one is when you talked about starting out, you know, uh, I can do I can do kindergarten. I can do first grade. I want to go back to that because I remember when when Tamika and I were were uh, you know getting ready to <clears throat> educate our kids and had made the decision that we were going to homeschool. My situation was similar in that I had really gotten an, a, a a really good thought process about biblical worldview. I, I had just been exposed to what that even meant, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that the Bible was sufficient to to deal with all of these categories of life that we're engaged in. Mm-hmm. And so for me, this was something I became passionate about. And and then when I recognized what our kids were actually learning in school, my thought became, I could do better poorly than than being in the formalized education process Mm -hmm. in in a public school system, and they do it well, Mm -hmm. right? My kids would be better off with me stumbling through this process rather than sending them off to a public school and, and, and them doing great in that, in that environment for you starting out, what was, what were the building blocks for your, for your confidence? What I'm thinking about the person who, who might be listening to this, a young mom who's thinking about maybe getting, getting her toe in the water, hearing all of these things about, about home education and, and what they should do. What do you say to that person? How did you, how did you build the confidence level to take that to the next level? Um, well, reading, um, books about homeschooling, um, you know, there's so much, you know, I was fortunate we started homeschooling in, oh boy, I don't even remember what year, but mm. early 2000s, I guess. And yeah. mm. um, by that time, there's there was so much available mm-hmm. as far as uh, moms, you know, that had been a whole generation of homeschoolers by then. So um, a lot more resources than were available when I was a child. Um, so I read a lot of those books 
and um, podcasts really exploded about that time. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to experienced moms who had homeschooled. I was listening to moms who were homeschooling who had been homeschooled, mm-hmm. which is, again, not something that had been available um, prior to that, really. So um, just learning from the wisdom of others and yeah. then incorporating those ideas and growing. And, we did, you know, our homeschool changed over the years. My philosophy changed. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. Because, again, like you said, I'm still at least – you know, trying to do my best according to scripture and not according to, you know, secular, you know, secular government ideals of education. Right, right. The second thing that interests me about what you said, you talked about Christian imagination. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of define like what, when you, when you say that, what does that mean? How do you incorporate that into, into what you're doing? Help me understand that a little bit. The Christian imagination, um, is really what puts together the puzzle pieces of a biblical worldview. This is, um, how how you think about the world is formed in your imagination. And so when um, when you're reading good books like what we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. that is really, biblical worldview is more than just being able to answer the right questions mm-hmm. according to scripture, but it's really having a f- full picture of what the world is and should be according mm-hmm. to scripture. And you can't have that without a Christian imagination. You can't just memorize a list of facts or have, you know, just a list of certain presuppositions and then think you're going to, you know, walk away or your children are going to walk away with a biblical worldview. That's, that's not, you know, how it works. Mm-hmm. It, God has created us with an imagination. And um, in order to have a biblical worldview, we need to not just give our children correct content, but right. also um, form it formed beautifully. Um, that mirrors scripture. I love what you said about that because I, I, th- I think oftentimes our thought process as Christians who are coming into this world for the first time is okay. I, the first time I got to catechize my kids, and, th- and then and then I, I'll give them these these facts, and and then they'll give me these answers, and then they're good to go. And we haven't thought about 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 what it looks like to formulate all of that and into into a picture uh, from a standpoint of, of Christian imagination. Uh, last thing that that I want to touch on because I know we're, I know you guys are dying to get into the the, the book piece uh, of this is you write for G three Ministries and uh, we, one of one of our few female writers you would know. Do mm-hmm. we have any other female writers? Not I mean not in terms of a standalone blog. Okay, we've got some guests now and then. But gotcha. She's definitely the most regular. Yeah. yeah well, uh, you're writing and, and I know. You you're you're a homeschool mom, uh, wife wife to this guy who I know is is, is very busy. How, a how do you find time to write, um, and, and then and then B what kinds of things are you writing that people should be kind of plugging into? Um, how do I find time to write? Well, that's always a challenge. It's why I don't um, produce something every single week, right? Um, because my family is going to take priority over right. a blog. But um, you know, I just fit it in in the evenings. In the mornings, you know, that's yep. how I did my PhD too, just little little bits at a time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, you know, a lot of times there's just something on my heart that I feel like I really want to share with other moms because other moms did that for me. Yeah. And so that's, great. that's important like that. to me. Yeah, I like that. Well, I, I want to jump into the topic for today, which uh, we're really wanting to kind of unpack uh, what you are doing with this kind of reading plan. I'm going to turn things over to Scott because this was something that when you came in, Scott, uh, here at G3, this was one of the kind of the first first things that you did uh, on on the blog that really kind of took off as far as people's interest. And 
it wasn't me. Right, right. That was her. <laughs> he now signed we, his name to that first. We, yeah, we co yeah. we co branded that first blog post because she didn't have her own yet. But yeah. this was really her idea, probably mainly because you had done you had seen other reading challenges and they'd been helpful yeah, to you in I've the past, done right? Num- a number of reading challenges over the years, and it really, you know, just like this one, I do reading challenges to push myself mm. to read outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I think when a, when a brand new year starts, we, I, I know I do go, naturally go to, okay, every, for me every year, once a year, it's, it's a process th- to read through the Bible. Right. Right. So that's kind of a, kind of a normal rote thing for me. Uh, every year I, I know I'm going to start that every year. I make the claim uh, that I'm going to get back into the gym and work out. Now that hadn't happened yet. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's a whole nother conversation for another, another day. But with the reading challenge, when, when, when I saw that come up, I thought, man, that's interesting. And you kind of have categories right. and kind of walk through what the, what that should look like. So yeah, we should say first, just in case somebody wants to kind of sort of follow along with our conversation, that if you go to g3men.org mm-hmm. slash g3 reads 23, yeah. that's where this, this year's uh, appears. Uh, yeah. And so last year, yeah, Becky, Becky just said we, we ought to do a G3 reading plan. I was like, okay, good. We'll do that in January. She's like, no, moms are already looking now for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was her idea. Did categories last year. Um, got a lot of good feedback. Um, we used a hashtag and people on Instagram especially, which I still don't get Instagram, but, you know, uh, People like it, uh, yeah. But a lot of you know, homeschool moms of, really love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Women, women like it in particular. Um, and throughout the year, I think we've seen a steady flow of interest. And then we saw towards the end of the year, with the publication of the new one, a lot of people saying this was so helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, one person, one of my former PhD students, posted this helped me to read outside my normal categories, which is what Becky said a moment ago. Wow. Um, so it's you know, it's it's a I think a great. Blessing to a lot of people. We had a good variety of people participating. We had, I think, over 3,000 last year, and we have over 4,500 already Already. this year. Wow. Downloaded and are participating. Um, But we had, you know, homeschool moms. We had PhD students. We had pastors um, participating. And I loved seeing the variety Mm -hmm. of books. I think it's especially helpful for pastors who tend to get niched Niched into into only theological books and being forced, like we're going to talk about, to read poetry, to read some good classic fiction, to read in some of these other things. Um, And we've talked about this. Reading challenges, I think, are harder for me to get locked into because I'm reading a lot just with my own research and writing. And, um, you know, so I sort of have to, so this is, it's valuable to force myself to do this, even though I don't, I don't do it well often. Um, but I think especially for homeschool moms, moms at homes, it's it's particularly helpful as well. So I, it, it, just to go to the point that it, for a variety of people, yeah. a reading challenge like this can be a really beneficial thing. Let me let me ask you for I mean, was this something that you you identified? These are the categories. Was it a template that you had already? Was it how did you how did you pull this together? Um, I've just done a lot of them okay. over the years. Gotcha. So. I mean, there are certain categories that are just common to reading challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I sat down last fall to put together the first one, um, I just made a huge long list of different categories and then chose 12 of those um, for last year and then another 12 for this year. So, um, yeah. So walk me through, because I was reading the the article that went with this. Uh, Man, I hear 12 and then I hear 24 and I'm thinking there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to get through 24 books along with, you know, my, my responsibilities at work, the writing that I have to do and the like. So, okay. So, so get ready for this. Okay. Ready? Yeah, yeah. Becky, how many books did you read last year? A hundred. A hundred books. 
Well, I mean, there's no. That way. was the goal, but it was sort of funny towards the end of the year. It was like it was. She was pushing. It was a sprint to the finish. Yeah. I read twenty books in December to get to that. Goal. There is no. Now, like, it includes audiobooks. Okay. Those count. Yeah. Okay, okay. 50, and we 50. had somebody on social okay. media just recently, I think, on our Facebook page say, "Do audiobooks count?" Of and I said, "Absolutely, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Audiobooks yeah. count." Because okay, if it's if it's audio, I'm not gonna do a hundred, but if it's audiobooks, well, I might not this year. <laughs> 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 we were we were joking with some friends. It's like because she because she'll walk. We can talk about. This with tips later, but she, she, I, I bought her several years ago for Valentine's Day. I don't Day. just walk around with them, but yeah. yes. So for Valentine's Day, like we don't give each other gifts, but he gives me this for Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, I okay. bought her some Bose noise canceling headphones, so, so she wouldn't have to listen to you. Well, right. that too, but uh, so she, like, when she's cooking or whatever, right. you know, she's got these headphones on. So we're right. joking as she's getting to the end of the year, and she had this goal of a hundred. I was really panicked, like, and she was really panicking. I we're like, we're, we're joking, like the kids are like, "Mommy, mommy, lead us to Jesus." No, I have to get a hundred bucks, yes. <laughs> which didn't happen. But we had, no, we had, that was, we we had fun with that. That was him. But. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. a lot. Okay, so but it, but it, I mean, it's it's a discipline. That's what a reading challenge yes. can yeah, help well, with. Right. Yeah. I mean, you were saying about exercise, you know, as a New Year's goal for almost everyone. Right. 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 But books are I heard this the other day and I thought I really resonate with that. Books are exercise for the mind. It is. That's so great. I when like we're that. I like that. Reading. We're stretching ourselves. You know, so the more we read, the more we have endurance, the more we have speed, right. the more we have strength that we can do harder and longer things faster. Um, so that's great. And you'll resonate with this. She listens to books at about two times, right? I do. Yes. I listen so to you almost everything at two times yeah. speed. I, yeah. I'm not quite two times, but I am about 175. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll hit that. And it depends on who's speaking or who's reading. Right. Right. Um, and, and then one of the things that I do with audiobooks, I'll download uh, a Kindle as well and, and, and read and listen at the same time. Oh, yeah. Uh, that for, for me, that helps. I think I was, I was telling you maybe earlier today, I, 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 struggle, uh, with, I struggled with dyslexia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are times when, when, you know, if I'm not careful, I'm tired, what have you, that kicks in for Hearing me. So if, I'm, yeah, so, yeah. so if I'm reading, you know, on, on my own, I'll, I'll miss things and, and comprehension is an issue. So when I can hear and read mm-hmm. at the same time, that's a common, it, it really helps strategy for people who have dyslexia. Yeah, it yeah. Re- it's really, it's really helpful for me. So let's, we talked about the category or we talked about how many categories, let's talk about the categories, okay. what categories of books that, that you have and what you're, what, what you're thinking, what you've laid out this, this year. Okay. Yeah, so the first category is a book about a book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So last year I had everyone reading through a Bible reading plan mm-hmm. because I really feel like if you're not you know, digging into Scripture and you're reading other books, yeah. you've got something yes. you know, upside down. Yep. Um, but I did have some people express uh, some frustration that they couldn't finish their challenge because they didn't finish their Bible reading plan. And oh. I know, I mean, it can be difficult to read through the Bible in a year, you yeah. know, um, especially for moms who mm-hmm. have little ones at home. So I didn't want to put that burden on people. So this year I just thought, let's just hopefully assume everyone's digging into the word and instead do a book that will enrich your devotional life, enrich your scripture um, reading for the year. So a book about a book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a category that pastors will easily be able to check off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I'm reading for women's Bible studies, I have found some real gems in this category. Mm. So um, we have some suggestions 
Yeah, so to clarify that too, so Becky included some suggestions, but people can do whatever they want yeah, within absolutely. those categories. Yeah. These are just some starting no, I, starting I, points. I, or I, I particularly love the suggestions because there are yeah. some categories here I had no clue where to start. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it was helpful as I went down, especially like you mentioned earlier, poetry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? In the, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a I'm a hip hop head. Not that that's poetry, but you know, I, I'm trying to figure out where do I go here. So mm-hmm. it was helpful to to, to have the category. Are, 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 did you want to suggest in that in that category? What what you might offer? You want to keep? Yeah, and I've got some suggestions. Yeah, too. you've yeah. got. I didn't actually bring any in that category. Okay. So well, ahead. let me suggest because she didn't include this, and I gave I her a hard time about it. But one that G three published. Nice work. Uh, this Scott. is really a, a helpful commentary on Galatians by Chip Thornton, one of our board members, pastor uh, in Alabama. You hear commentary, and you might think, oh, that's only for pastors, but it's accessible. Certainly would be a helpful a helpful for a pastor who's preparing for Galatians, but this is this is devotional. Yeah. This would be great for anybody who just wants to have a book on a book of the Bible yeah. on, on Galatians. So that's a, a good recommended book. The other one, this is this is on Becky's list, and I actually she she asked me for some suggestions on some things. I wasn't helpful very much, but this one I was. Um, <laughs> she's shaking her head over there. Uh, singing the songs of Jesus, revisiting the Psalms. So I just finished a book on the Psalms that maybe will be a suggestion for next year's uh, reading plan. Uh, But this is a very good book on the Psalms. So if we're looking for a book on a book of the Bible, this is a good one to Who's the author? Uh, Michael Lefebvre. Okay. Lefebvre. Lefebvre. Okay. French. I looked at that and thought, I'm not going to try to pronounce that. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very very good book. Again, accessible. You know, some of the books on the list and recommended list uh, books are a little longer. Mm -hmm. These are a couple that are. They're shorter. And I did try to, you know, I gave a list of some more technical commentaries. If, you know, you have a pastor who's really studying to preach through a book and then also some more devotional uh, books in this category. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, a, a book by a dead pastor. That sounds like ominous. Is that is that is there is there a reason why someone should look for a book by a dead pastor? Well, you know, I was trying to narrow this category because I wanted to read a book uh, by a pastor. Um, obviously, a dead pastor doesn't narrow it all that much because there are no. so many. Yes, you so know. many. Yep. But um, I think it's really important that we learn from people of the past. Yes. And um, you know, there's so many so many rich books mm-hmm. from people of the past, and then also, I I think it's um, you know when someone's life is closed and um, you know, they, we can know whether or not their life and their voice is someone who can be respected and trusted. Absolutely. And we avoid kind of that, the Josh Harris problem, yep. you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, absolutely. I, I think that's key. I, I'd heard long ago, you know, so, someone uh, say to me that, you know, the, the best theologian is a dead theologian. Yeah. Uh, they say that tongue in cheek, but the whole right. point and purpose of that is that their, their theology, it, we know what it is. Uh, it's been vetted. Right. Uh, and, and if, if they, if they're biblically sound and, 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 you know, theologically sound, we can, we can trust what it is we're Well, we're it, it helps us avoid what Lewis called chronological snobbery. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're just narrowly focused on our own age. There are a lot of great books being written right now by pastors, right. and they're worth reading. Mm-hmm. But the, the danger of that is we can get so caught up in the new stuff mm-hmm. that we forget the wisdom of those who come before. So yeah. this is a yeah. category like this is really And helpful. a lot of people, a lot of those men who are writing <laughs> are reading mm-hmm. those yes. you know, yes. dead people. Yes, right. absolutely, absolutely. Yep. So she she listed some some people here Spurgeon Watts uh, Edwards I just thought again I mean I'm just you know I'm the editor in chief of G3 ask Press you so. if, G3, <laughs> yeah, if there was I, anything I well this do. I didn't even think about this because he is a dead pastor but it's you know I I, I don't know yeah. I didn't think about it well, but Thomas Watson's How to Read Scripture with with both spiritual prophet mm-hmm. you know there's a, there's an example uh, you, Becky has Edwards on here 
There's a number of things. I think everybody ought to read The Religious Affections by uh, Jonathan Edwards. Mm. Uh, it's a little longer, though, a little more weighty. So if you want something by Edwards that's accessible, The Surprising Work of God, which he wrote about the Great Awakening, mm-hmm. um, and it's just really helpful for thinking through the nature of true conversion and true revival, mm-hmm. I think you know very applicable to our day and age. So that's a good book by Edwards if, if someone's yeah. looking for that. And like last year, I had a category, um, read a book by a Puritan, and almost all of those guys were pastors. So you could just right. dig right back into that the fits. Puritans. Yep. Got it. Um, the one I'm going to do this year is the one that our men's and women's Bible studies mm-hmm. at church mm-hmm. are doing Redemption, Accomplished, and Applied by John Murray. Mm-hmm. So that's another good choice. Good. Good deal. Yep. The, the next category you have is a book about the sovereignty of God. I wonder why she chose that book. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. there's a there's a conference that, oh, that rings in my head yeah. about, about the sovereignty of God, but I, we won't we won't do that here. Yeah, uh, just uh, just to let, let folks go know. Go register for that conference. Yeah, go definitely go register <laughs> yeah. for the conference. G3men.org. Uh, <laughs> go register for the, the, the uh, National Conference uh, on the Sovereignty of God. But you've got a category for that. And so what, what and this is great because as, as people are coming and planning to prepare to come right. to G3 for the national conference, great category for exactly. them to be thinking about uh, related to. So, what, what what do you have in this space? Um, so, I you know had a number of good recommendations. Trusting God by Jerry Bridges is mm-hmm. one. Um, this one is the one I'm going to read. Um, Not by chance, learning to trust a sovereign God by Leighton Talbert, who writes for G3 guest posts mm-hmm. now and then. Um, you have I yeah. Think so Arthur this Pink's Arthur Pink, Pink she's got listed. This is yeah. kind of the standard. That's what I'm familiar with. Right. This yeah. is this is a great book <laughs> on the sovereignty of God. Yep. The one by Talbert's probably lesser known, but re- really re- well worth reading. He's yeah. a he's a good writer. Um, uh, good book. On and then the Jeff Johnson. Yes. Um, an, yeah, I think it's just it's coming. I think it ships next week. His book, The Sovereignty of God, and yep. he um, said on Facebook that um, where did I? I think I wrote down what he said. That it was a little bit more modern and more of an introduction to the topic than Pink's. Okay. Oh wow! So just yeah. maybe a little bit of a lighter, yeah, lighter read. Good. Yeah. And he has a World War II vet story interspersed. Wow! In, in the chapters. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, that that would definitely be interesting. Love we we love Jeff Johnson. Yep. Love those guys that uh, Free Grace Press and and what they're doing there. Um, a book of letters. A book of letters. Bible. How, did, how does this how does this play out? What how are you doing? I mean, that? I suppose you could read an epistle. Okay. Um, but really, I was thinking of you know just a book of personal correspondence. So um, this is one I've read, and it's edited by um, Michael and Victoria Haken, huh. the Christian Lover: The Sweetness of Love and Marriage in the Letters of Believers. So we have letters between John and Idolet Calvin, and Martin wow. and Kath- Katharina Luther, and um, you know. Um, Adoniram and Ann Judson, Martin and Beth and Lloyd Jones. So, right. you know, letters that they wrote to each other. Wow. Um, so it's just a really fun way to get to know people through yeah. their correspondence. It's a different way. My wife would love that. Tamika <laughs> would love that. And then then I would probably be required to write something exactly. like that. Yeah. So I, when I looked at this category, I thought, I don't think I've ever written, read a book of letters. Yeah. The only one I, I really know is the Samuel Rutherford letters, which letters I think is on your, on your list, mm-hmm. only because Anne Cousins' hymn, The Sands of Time Are Sinking, is was based on one yes. of those letters. So yeah. but I don't think I've ever read a, a book yeah. of letters. Wow. There's letters of Charles Spurgeon. Um, I have the letters of J.R.R. Tolkien at home. So interesting, all the way from his World War One years to the end of his life. And, of course, he wrote, um, if you want to do something fun, letters um Letters from Father Christmas that he wrote to his children pretending to be the North Polar Bear. And wow. Christmas. Yeah. Um, this is the illustrated letters of Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just has some photos and illustrations and 
Yeah, it's a fun category. It's not. It's more of a stretching category, I think, for most people. Right. Wow, really good. Well, I, I actually want to jump around. I, I know. I know what what the next area is, but do you have a favorite category in this? Oh boy, I don't know. Um, probably the the category I read most mm-hmm. would be classic fiction, but. Actually, I sort of think my favorite category is a travel book. It's a genre I discovered a few years ago. And, boy, if you're not reading travel books, you're missing really an amazing genre. Um, I mean, just everything from amazing adventure stories to uh, incredible descriptions of creation, you know, nature, walk, kind of traveling. But, I mean, I have here... Um, I know I made you go out of order. I'm sorry. (laughs) She put that all meticulously. I know, I know, I know. know. Um, If you haven't read Endurance, which is Shackleton's Incredible Mm -hmm. Voyage, Mm -hmm. read it. This is another category I thought I hadn't read in, but I did read that. Well, because I read it, I actually listened to it. The audiobook is astoundingly well read. Wow. Um, But I read it, then I immediately went on Amazon, bought it, and said to Scott, You have to read this. And he read it. And I gave it to my sister, and she read it, and she missed her bus, her bus stop because she was so engrossed. Wow, I mean, it's that good. It's like too good to be true, almost. Wow. Caleb hasn't read it yet, has he? No, but it's he part of his homeschool okay. curriculum, so yeah. he will. Very it's good. good. It's, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a true story, but it's captivating, well written. I mean, you yeah. can't wait to get to the end, and right. plus knowing that it's true. Right. I mean, you just have to know what happens. Another good one. The Brendan Voyage, um, Tim Severin, he recreates um, Brendan's voyage from the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. He builds a little leather boat and sails across the Atlantic. So, I mean, just things like this, travel, there are, you know, books of travel walks, like the Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. and, you know, all kinds of things. Wow. So. That, that, that's interesting. And, and now I'm, I'm thinking about trying to get maybe, if, especially if that's on audiobook, if Endurance yeah. is on audiobook, I definitely will will uh, will check into that and, and, and see what that's about. Had never thought about, A, that as a category, uh, and B, something that I would I would want to want to uh, read. The other thing I wanted to touch on is something you had mentioned earlier. As I was opening up our, our, our time together, one of the things I want to do is become a better writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and one of the ways to become a better writer is to read absolutely. Better, better I tell books. that to my students all the time. If you want to become a well, it starts with I want to be a good thinker. Okay, right. if you want to be a good thinker, then you have to be a good writer because someone who can't process information and writing can't think well. And if you want to be a good thinker and a good writer, you have to be a good reader. Mm. And this is something for pastors too. And and it's it ties in with the next category. A, a way to be a good writer and even a good preacher is to read well written fiction. Mm. And people don't think of that. Yeah, but. Fiction is beautiful writing. Well, good fiction. Don't just read any fiction. (laughs) Read well-written fiction. Uh, And that can help you improve in your writing, even even your your writing of of prose and sermons and theology stuff can be improved by the reading of good classic fiction. Man, that's good. So classic fiction, works of classic fiction, any suggestions in that space? Oh, I mean, got a so, ton. I've got a ton yeah. on there, and I mean, you could just go on forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me recommend one again that Becky recommended to me, and it was an audiobook, and that is David Copperfield. Yeah. Uh, Richard I, I, Armitage. I, Richard Armitage. I listened to it. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, usually good fiction gets into the heart of the characters and the people and yeah. teaches you something about human nature, right? And that's a perfect example of it. One of the, and it's just well-read, too. Oh, One yeah. of the things that you have on here that that that, uh, that caught my attention, because and, and I went about this backwards, The Count of Monte Cristo, mm-hmm. 
right? I I went into this backwards in that, and I didn't even I didn't even watch the old movie. I actually watched the new version of mm. that movie, and then went, oh my gosh, what a story, mm. right? And then went backwards mm. to find and and then and then to get to get the book. But but uh, it, it's a story that you know maybe every two or three years, yeah, I'll, I'll pick back up and just you know thinking about the issues and the challenges and and, and issues of faith. I mean, just, just uh, revenge. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds oh, of good. it's a really really good good read it's and a good so, audio book too read by bill homewood of the count of monte cristo wow i'll have yeah, to really check into well that and then i mean would you you'd consider lord of the rings classic fiction right oh yeah so she just listened to all of that with andy circus yeah, and he, she said it was amazing he released all three of the lord of the rings books he read them um this past year so i listened to them while we were in england wow. and i mean david copperfield's uh or Richard Armitage is David Copperfield and Andy Serkis's Lord of the Rings are like the top, my top audio books of all time. I mean, wow. so well read the voices. I mean, you can imagine he does yeah. Gollum yeah. quite well, but yeah. all the voices he does. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's great to know. Book recommended by the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. These are my yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Love these So folks. here's an interesting thing. So Dale Johnson's buddy of yours yes. was a colleague of mine at Southwestern, yep. was a professor of Becky in her PhD yep. program, mm-hmm. and he's the what, executive director of, yep. of ABC. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. yeah. And so they've got a whole list of books yeah. uh, that, that are on their track for if, you're, if you want to become a certified biblical counselor uh, number of different books suggestions I would encourage you we've got the their uh, their information on our website and, and it's it, not just counseling they have a variety of books recommended there yeah in addition to just all counseling. kinds of categories yeah. I mean their PDF has about 50 books and those are the ones if you want to become ACBC certified right but I think they're even more just on their recommended um, books webpage right so. right Berg's book is on there right yes yeah, so brought. changed into his image by Jim Berg. I read through this with my high schoolers. Um, really, really good. Um, he wrote this after he had a heart attack and I think like quadruple bypass surgery or something. He was something. one of her professors in college. Oh, and wow. I, was, I was actually in his class when he had that heart attack. Wow. Yeah, and I was one of the first classes to read this book right after he wrote it. Um, so he wrote that for his girls in case he didn't make it. He wanted them to have this. Wow. So really good to read. Um, with your your kids, mm-hmm. the excellent wife by Martha Peace. Martha Peace. Had her, yeah. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. She's one of ours, one of yep. our speakers. Yep, writers and yep. as well. Uh, book of poems. This I I mentioned this earlier. This one tripped me up. I'm like, book of poems. Mm-hmm. What in the world? So Doctor Seuss doesn't count. Doctor Seuss doesn't count. No, doesn't I was count. hoping it did. Like, <laughs> I mean, check the box. You can read a book of children's poetry, but um, this is the one I put as my top recommendation for Christians who are just you know, intimidated by poetry. This mm-hmm. is The Soul and Paraphrase, A Treasury of Classic Devotional Poems, edited by Leland Riken. So, you know, everything from George Herbert, you know, all the way to, uh, I don't know, John Milton, Gerard uh, Manley Hopkins, just all the best devotional poets who wrote about their love for the Lord. Mm. Um, a lot of these men were pastors who wrote poetry. Um, I actually just finished one of the books for the challenge this morning, and... Um, it was about Charles and Susie Spurgeon's marriage, mm-hmm. and she read him George Herbert every Sunday night after Sunday evening service. Um, it would just revive his spirit because wow. he'd be so exhausted from preaching and mm-hmm. from people pressing in on him with mm-hmm. questions. He'd come home and say, "You know, Susie, read me some Herbert," and she would she would do that every Sunday evening. Richard Baxter said George Herbert's poems mm-hmm. are next to Scripture's poems, like next best. Wow. So. Um, you know, men of old, great men of the word, 
read poetry. Mm. Preachers read poetry, and it mm-hmm. helps your language be more concise. It helps your language be more beautiful. Yeah, talk yeah. about economy of words. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's the way to go. Wow, yeah. good stuff. So this is a great one to start with. Um, these by Malcolm Geit, mm-hmm. um, The Word in the Wilderness, which is a poem a day for Lent and Easter, and then Waiting on the Word, which is a poem a day for Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany, which, of course, we're just coming out of mm-hmm. um, in this season right now. And um, all these uh, all these books have commentary with each poem to kind of just explain a little what bit. The, yeah, so what the background was, yes. what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, and then I actually added a new one I thought of um, just this morning, a Poet's Corner. That is an amazing audio book. If you want to listen to poems, mm-hmm. um, John Lithgow edited this. He just loves poetry so much, and his parents read him poetry. So he wanted to gather all the best poems for families to read. So we, I listened to this with my kids. Oh, wow. Um, but he has a little bio of the author that's about two minutes long. And then um, a famous actor will read the poem. So like... Morgan Freeman, Helen Mirren, Lynn Redgrave, you know, some Just really voices. nice voices. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then he has a little, like, two-minute ex- explanation of the poem. Hmm. And it's everything from, like, Lewis Carroll's Jabberwocky to the general prologue from the Canterbury Tales. I mean, just all kinds of variety of great poems that really... He makes you want to love poetry. Wow. Well, just listening to you makes me want to read it. So <laughs> that's incredible. A biography about Christian marriage. A biography about Christian marriage. Was this so that Scott can kind of get on the right well, path? Well, yeah. Do you, see and, the, do you see the number number one title? What is Marriage it? to a Difficult Man. Ah. Like, <laughs> that's, I read that last year. <laughs> It was, it was helpful. It was. Absolutely, it was absolutely helpful. helpful. And we're actually, she put this on here, but it's out of print now. And I've actually contacted the copyright holder, and G3, we've gotten we've gotten permission. G three Press this year is going to republish wow. that book because it's such a good classic book on uh, Jonathan and Sarah Edwards' marriage. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. a classic. Yep. That's fantastic. Yeah. Anything else you'd want to say about that category? I, I have this. She's got this on her list. When sinners say I do mm-hmm. is a good book. Uh-huh. Um, you know, some. It's just you know it says it right at the beginning. Yep. You got two sinners. Yep. And uh, so what do you do? Yep. It's I, I, that, that's a good a good uh, offering for you know when people come into marriage counseling. Yeah. I think that was one of the first books that I would hand to somebody and say, "Hey, this is what you need to be thinking of because they're, they're all in la la land, right? Uh, and and you know, everything's roses and rose petals and, mm-hmm. and flowers, daffodils uh, and singing. And uh, the reality is that both of them are two sinners who are going to disappoint one another and going to sin against each other. Yeah. And and you need yeah. to be prepared. So that's a great great resource, a great book for mm-hmm. for that as well. Yeah. Anything else in this category? I mean, there are several really good ones. The one I mentioned about. Um, Charles and Susie Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. There's one about Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. There is one about Martin and Katharina Luther. I mean, just, and I feel like reading a biography mm-hmm. can be more powerful even than like a Christian living kind of self-help book because here you have like, you know, that has its place. It does. The argument and sure. the, the steps. But reading a biography really sees this fleshed out. Like these were two imperfect people mm-hmm. who were trying to live according to the word in their marriage and how that played out. So it's, it's a really powerful um, encouragement for married, uh, married life. And this category also works. The reason I did a biography of a Christian marriage uh-huh. is because, um, you know, not everybody is married who is participating in this challenge. Right. So. Um, that oh, way, that's good. That's a great point. Yeah, and I just realized this. Yeah. I, this one was on the ACBC list. That's why I brought that. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that's yeah. on a biography. I was, yeah, and yeah. ACBC does have a number of books about marriage too. Right, but yeah, right. biography of Christian marriage. This one I did want to highlight 
good Christians, good husbands? Mm-hmm. Question mark. Mm-hmm. It, see, it, you, you see a theme here. <laughs> married to a difficult man. Good Christians, good husbands. Question mark. You know, married to a difficult man. I had that like I would. I had that carried around with me for a couple of weeks while I was reading it, sticking out of my purse. And then, pe- and, and then people are seeing that like, Scott, what's wrong? Right? I don't no. mind that she compares me to Edwards, right. but <laughs> not not the difficult part. Right. Well, people were like, I mean, oh. at the doctor's office, like, what are you, interesting book yeah. you're reading. And I had to be like, yeah, no, it's my not, husband's fine, that, yeah. my husband's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a biography. I mean, I am difficult, but you know. Well, you know. <laughs> Um, but this one is Lessons from the Marriages and Ministries of Elizabeth and George Whitfield, Sarah and Jonathan Edwards, and then Molly and John Wesley. That's good. Had a kind of notoriously not good marriage. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a comparison of the three um, and their philosophies of marriage and ministry. Wow. Um, so really fascinating book by a friend of mine, Doreen Moore. Good so deal. Good deal. I'd su- um, suggest People pick that one up. All righty. Anything else in that category? I don't think so. So you got me out of order, Virgil. I know, I know, I know, I know. I've got a book about a book about prayer. I'll try to keep you in order. A book about prayer. Yeah, lots of. So last year we did uh, a book of prayers, uh-huh. and I loved that category. I loved reading the prayers. I read the prayers of the reformers. Yep. Loved it. Yep. Um. So this year I thought, well, let's read a book that encourages us in our prayer life. I'm listening to a sermon series right now about prayer. And it's been amazing to me how many pastors, how many great men of God admitted how hard it is to pray mm-hmm. and to have a consistent prayer life and mm-hmm. to not be distracted in prayer. I mean, men like Martin Luther and, um, you know, Philip Henry, Matthew Henry's father, um, John Bunyan, they all were like, it's so hard to pray. It's so easy, easy to be distracted. Mm-hmm. So let's, you know, bolster our prayer life with some good books about prayer. So yeah. um, Isaac Watts' is A Guide to Prayer is kind of a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, Along with Matthew Henry's A Method for Method Prayer. Method for prayer. Very, very similar. So, yeah. so you, you don't have the Prayer of Jabez on? That's yeah, not Prayer on of there. Jabez, yeah. <laughs> I don't see that on the list. No, I didn't list. include that one. Didn't Imagine. Make the list. <laughs> yeah. Good. So, I mean, prayer, if you think about it, is really the only aspect of our devotional lives where we have to compose the words ourselves. Yes. So that is a difficult thing. So these kind of resources help us. That 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 is that is incredibly helpful. For, you know, for me, I, while while you know, I, I speak a lot, talk a lot, engage people in in that way. When it comes to slowing down and really thinking through, I'm now praying to my heavenly Father. Uh, he he already knows me. Uh, and and so how do how do I formulate words to to convey what I'm really thinking, mm-hmm. feeling, and, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know and, and not only that, but how do I do that consistently? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're praying to someone that you can't see. Absolutely, that's yeah. just gonna be that's just gonna be hard mm-hmm. yeah. no matter what. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like the this one will help sort of formulate a, a scriptural prayer. That one is filled with scripture, mm-hmm. the um, a method for prayer. And I read I read through that with. With Caleb and Kate, our mm. two older kids. Yeah, yep. this helpful. is another good one. Although I, when I looked for it, I think it's out of print, but it's still good. Um, Lord, teach me to pray by John MacArthur, sort yeah. of mm-hmm. along a similar right. vein mm-hmm. as the Watts. That's yep. good. That's good. We t- we talked about the travel category, and and mm-hmm. and now I'm I'm definitely going to check out endurance, um, a book about the history of your country. Yeah, that's another favorite category of mine. I love history. I think a lot of people come out of school thinking history is really boring right. because it's taught so often in a boring way. Right. The history textbooks are choppy and boring, and you just end up having to learn about a bunch of dates and a bunch of facts and nothing interesting. But there's so much, you know, interesting yep. parts of history yep. Yep. and so many well-written history books. Um, I didn't actually bring any, but 
Um, David McCullough is a great, you know, popular level of history. Adams. Yeah, John yeah. Adams. He's yep. the Wright brothers. You know, just a bunch. Because there's there's storylines. It, it's right. not like when it's taught in school. It's you need to remember these dates, these facts, mm-hmm. these people. Whereas if you're reading about you, you're un, you're unpacking the story, the narrative behind exactly. uh, what. Well, took you place. you were asking her about the imagination earlier, and this is this is what she did her dissertation on. There's yeah. a difference between textbook prose, which is boring, nobody wants to read that, right, and living literature, right, and so it can be actually nonfiction and historical, but but actually be beautiful and enjoyable to read. Yeah, right. it shapes and your imagination, and right, and shapes your imagination facts. rather yeah. than just gives you information. And in your that's brain. good. Yeah, that's good. So all yeah. the books on here are are books yeah. like that. I just are. finished this week Destiny of the Republic, which was a fascinating account of James Garfield's presidency and his assassination. And talked about his assassin, and I mean, really just kept you on the edge of your seat interspersed um, Joseph Lister's research into, you know, germs and antisepsis. And Is that, you said that's what he ended up dying of, really. It was not, yeah, the, he wasn't, not the bullet, he but the germs. He didn't die of the bullet wound. He died the because the doctors probed him. him with unclean fingers. And then Alexander Graham Bell was off to the side trying to uh, create an invention to find the bullet in his back. So it talked about his inventions. And then I read the Spurgeon thing next, and it said that Garfield had come to hear Charles Spurgeon because they, of course, were contemporaries. So mm-hmm. then you have all that kind of, you know, you get those kind of connections yeah. when you read these different categories. Wow. Phenomenal. Uh, I love the the categories you chose. Uh, I think it, it represents just a just a fully kind of orbed view, a, 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 you know, a biblical worldview. God's in God's sovereign over all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's sovereign over life, uh, and, and we get a chance to to stop, to pause, to read, to think, and to have our Christian imagination expanded. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a result of of what we're reading, I, I love this challenge. Uh, you you have a book that uh, from last year's challenge that you wanted to read but didn't. Was there one? I mean, you read a hundred of them. I can't imagine <laughs> you having a book that you didn't read. Well, yeah, there were plenty. Uh, you know, a lot of times my I don't. I mean, I did write them down just because I was coming on this podcast right. of you know a plan kind of of what I want to do this year. But books come my way. You know, I get asked to speak, and so I have to read about that topic, sure. or I get asked to review a book or, you know, our church picks a book for men's and women's Bible study um, and other books get edged out. Right. So there were books um, that I didn't read that I wanted to. Yeah. I mean, a number of them, actually. I'm sure. Well, one of the things I'll, 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 I'll tell on you, I'll tell our, our, our audience about you. I, when we were at the we were at the conference for the, fa- the family, family uh, church and family church life. And family life yeah. So we, we were at that conference and uh, I, I was, you know, you guys were preaching, you and and uh, and, and Josh, uh, Dr. Josh Bice, they, they're doing their thing. And, and so they, they allowed me to hold their Bibles <laughs> is what they allowed me to do. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But I, I, I'm there. I've got our booth. I'm, I'm kind of uh, taking, you know, doing the doing the book table. And 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 Becky is walking around like, I mean, just <laughs> effervescent, oh, yeah. like I mean, books, books, books. That's you know. My thing. And she, I mean, she, you, you, you would have thought she was, you know, she was, she was at a at a at a basketball game. She was. She, just, she buys more books and spends more money on books now than I do. Yeah. And her library is nearing mine. Yes. Uh, and. She also borrows my books, and I started having to make her check them out. Yes, because, this is true. You know, when we go overseas, I bring an empty suitcase. Wow. Bring just that, well, from England. Yeah, yeah, the first time we went on a, on a sabbatical, we ended up having to buy a suitcase to get the books back. Wow. Because she's a big used— uh, Yeah, I like to rescue books. Right. I mean, I feel like— 
books are being canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, right. The best written books are out of print. And a lot of times it's hard to get the rights because there's dispute between, you know, children don't, you know, of don't agree, author, uh, children know. of the author. Yeah, so um, I try to rescue those books so yeah. that we have them for my children, for posterity, you know. Yeah. Well, you got an amazing, I've been, been to your, your home uh, you have an amazing library uh, in your home. I office next to this guy who's got a ridiculous library. My thought is I don't even have to worry about building mine uh, <laughs> because I can come check out what he's That's doing right. and, uh, and 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 be good to go. Well, Becky, it was great to have you, you. Uh, with us. Uh, this is our second episode yeah. uh, of the podcast. Just real quick, yeah, yeah, real quick. Yeah. Tips for moms who want to read read more. I mean, we talked about audio books. Just anything real quick, like how to fit how to fit books in, especially for homeschool moms yeah. or busy I mean, moms. I hear a lot of moms lament like, oh, I haven't read a book <clears throat> in years. And, you know, someday I'll read a book again. And that, you know, saddens my heart because the more, you know, as you're reading, again, that's exercise for your mind. So, you know, you're, you're having an impact on your children. You're having, being able to have conversations with people about all kinds of different topics. If you're reading, mm-hmm. I just feel like, our minds get flabby, just like our bodies get flabby mm-hmm. without exercise. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I always try to challenge moms, at least try to read, you know, a few books. It doesn't have to be 100. It doesn't even have to be 12. Um, but, yeah, uh, audiobooks is a great way. And I know n- not everybody uh, processes mm-hmm. books the same way, mm-hmm. but one thing I try to encourage people is find your speed. And like yeah. we talked about, yep. everybody's brain works at a different speed. Find the speed that fits your brain, yeah. and that can be a real help. And I listen to audiobooks while I fold laundry, you know, all the kind of mindless things, wash dishes, all that. Um, You know, obviously I don't walk around with headphones on, you know, during the day while I'm trying to homeschool my kids or whatever. But, you know, when I'm doing mindless, uh, it's really redeemed a lot of those mindless tasks for me. That's great. So I do about 50-50 audiobooks and then print books, you know. um, I usually try to do my Bible reading and a devotional book in the morning before Mm -hmm. my kids get up. And then I read before bed every night. And... You know, if you pick up a book, your Kindle or whatever, yep. instead of picking up your phone, yep. if you, you know, people are afraid to read one or two pages at a time. Right. But that is okay. Read one page. Read one page in the grocery store line. Read one page, you know, while your kids are doing something else. Read 10 pages while your kids are playing outside, you know, whatever. Um, you just have to make those habits and redeem that time mm-hmm. and you can get it done. All good stuff. All good stuff. Again, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate Absolutely. appreciate you being here. Thanks for, for for letting her come through, bro. Yeah, that's a that's a good look for you. Hopefully, <laughs> ho- 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 hopefully, that'll give you some cool points later on. You know? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, listen. Thanks for joining us for our, our second episode uh, of Honest Conversations in Black and White. Man, we're going to be doing more of this, having uh, incredible conversations with people that that Scott and I find that, who are interesting writers, authors, uh, leaders, teachers, thinkers. We're we're going to have them on the podcast uh, you'll definitely want to join us you'll definitely want to be a part subscribe so, yeah i was gonna say like subscribe share tell others about the podcast this is this is new for us mm-hmm. i mean the g3 podcast is something that's been going on for a while right. this is brand new and so we're going to encourage you uh, to get this out to others with that said thanks for joining us we'll see you next time